Good morning. Welcome to Harmony this morning. Would you stand up with us this morning? I am so glad to see a good crowd in the house. As we continue our remarkable series, we're going to talk about following Jesus this morning. You can follow him when you have victory in Jesus. So sing out with me as we sing this morning.
Let's give the band a hand this morning. They are doing an awesome job. How many of you are glad that we have victory in Jesus, right? That's something that we can be thankful for no matter who you are, no matter where you're at, no matter what life might look like for you. Here's a truth. Jesus can bring victory into your life. Today, we are continuing our series in just a little while entitled Remarkable, and we're taking a look at the remarkable life of Jesus. And today, we're going to be in Mark chapter 2, uh, talking, talking about what it would be like to walk with Jesus. If you could just spend 10 minutes with him, if you could just take a walk for 15 or 20 minutes or, or just a few minutes, what would it look like? And we're going to talk about that uh, this morning in just a couple of minutes. But before we do any of that, I want to say welcome to all of you that are here in person, all of you that have joined us online. This is a wonderful time, wonderful opportunity for us all uh, to take out our mobile device, our phone, whatever it might be. If you're watching at home, do the same thing and share it, right? Uh, so share our live stream with your friends and family, post it on your line uh, so that people will know what's taking place here at Harmony and they'll get to be a part of what you are doing. It's also the perfect uh, time if you're uh, sharing that now and you're here in person, uh, just go ahead and silence that cell phone uh, and uh, use that as an opportunity uh, to, to do that. Well, I want to thank all of you for being here with us today. Uh, we have guests here today and we're thrilled that you're with us and I know that we'll have some first time people online as well and we want to welcome you and thank you uh, for being a part. We have a gift that we would love to send home with you today, uh, but the only way that we can send it home with you is if you'll let us know that you are here. Uh, so if you're in person, stop by the Connection Center before you leave today. If you're online, reach out to us and say, hey, I'm watching for uh, the very first time, uh, and uh, we will get you a gift out in the mail as well. And it's just a way for us to be able to say thank you for gathering with us and being a part of Harmony today. We're honored to have you, and uh, we're honored to serve you. Today we've got some incredible things that are taking place. A little bit later on today at 5 o'clock, uh, the Man Church event takes place. Men, you're invited. If you haven't signed up yet, that's fine. We want you to come out and uh, be a part of it. Bring a friend, family member, uh, as long as it's a guy, right? Uh, we we want to encourage you uh, to uh, come and gather with us this evening, 5 o'clock. Rich Wingo, former Green Bay Packer, former uh, Packer MVP, and Green Bay Packer Man of the Year, uh, which is a very distinct honor within that organization. Uh, he's going to be here. He's going to be speaking uh, tonight, and you're going to want to be a part of that. We've got pork. We've got crick fries uh, that's being made. We've got mac and cheese. We've got hand pies from Carl's Donuts uh, and, and Bakery, all kinds of things that are going to be here tonight. But the most important thing is that we're going to gather around the name of Jesus and learn more about who he is and how we can be the man that God has called us to be. So uh, I sent out an email earlier this week and I said, wives, uh, girlfriends, fiancés, you got somebody in your life that you think needs to be a little bit better? Sign them up and, and send them out to be here tonight at 5 o'clock, all right? And after that email went out, I noticed that registrations increased, right? Just jumped by like 15%. Um, so here, no, serious note, guys, sign up. It'll be a good time as we gather together uh, this evening. Well, we've got some special prayer requests today. I want to ask you to pray uh, for the G'day family that God would be with them. Uh, they're walking through some... Uh, deep waters right now, but uh, pray for uh, Bob and, and uh, Kelly Gaday specifically. I uh, don't have all the details uh, to share with you, but I'm just asking you to, to pray for them. I'm asking you to pray for Ken Parsons. Uh, Ken Parsons was taken uh, to uh, IU uh, 
West yesterday, he was in the ER. They're keeping him. Uh, he's got some struggles that, that's taken place. So let's uh, pray uh, for Ken that God would be with him uh, and take care of him during this time. And I know that there are many others uh, that we are praying for uh, that, are, that are walking through life and experiencing some, some difficulty uh, right now. But let's just uh, join in prayer and ask God uh, to be with them. Then we're going to uh, stand together, sing a couple of songs, and uh, then we'll share in the message about a walk with Jesus and how your life and my life can become just a little more remarkable. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. Lord, there are many that need your prayer today. Lord, they, uh, they need your touch. They, they need your help, your strength. So, Father, we bring them before you and we ask that you would hear our prayers God, that you would move in their life, that you would be everything to them that they need, whether it's strength and encouragement or whether it's your healing. Lord, we ask that you would work in a special way. And God, we ask that uh, you would uh, bring men out tonight that, that would be inspired, that would be changed, that would become more of what you have for us so that we can make a difference in our families in our places of work, in our places of worship. Father, whatever it might be, we just ask that you move in a special way today, for it's in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Stand with us one more time. We're talking about walking with Jesus this morning. I found out if I don't keep my eyes on him, a lot of things can make me stop, stop in my tracks. But when we're following him and focused on him, nothing is impossible. Sing with me as we sing Unstoppable God. Here we go now. Heaven thundered and the world was born. Life begins and ends in the dust you form. Faith commanded and the mountains blew.
praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable, nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable, nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your song before service last week it says my king is known by love and as we walk through life I hope that we can be known by love you'll catch on quick sing this song with me some are known by great authority for kingdoms as far as eyes can see in royal robes they rule from thrones, waging war they overthrow the weak. And call it victory, here's the chorus. My king is known by mercy. My king is known by grace. For the whole in his name and a power that saves. My king is known at the cross. My king is known by an empty grave. Oh, in all that he does, my king is known.
thankful for his love this morning. Good singing. You may be seated. Please pay attention to the video screen. the story of Jesus. And when we talk about the story of Jesus, uh, we know that there's a, a lot really to, to talk about. Condensed down into uh, a few years of, of his life, we, we take a look of, of those few years, condensed down into what we would call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We've been taking a look at Mark, Mark's perspective of the life of of Jesus. Now, there's a, a lot to cram into a short amount of time, and I literally just got a meme from someone that will remain nameless that said, Pastor, I want you to know there's a fine line between a long sermon and a hostage situation. <laughs> so, so here's a, a reality. I was going to let you go early today. Um, we, we were going to pack it up, but because of the sin of one, all shall be punished, right? <laughs> you see, here's a, a truth. If, if we could look at our life, there, there's a, a lot for us to, to reflect on about any life. But when we begin to, to look at the life of, of Jesus and begin to dig a little bit deeper and find out what made him so remarkable, what made him so different, we begin to see we really need to stop and take a look at some of the things that we would say were simple. Some of the things that we would say, wow, I, I, I'm not sure why that's really all that important. Well, today in Mark chapter 2, here's what we're going to discover. Jesus goes back to a place where he's been before. He takes a walk. He talks to some, some people and teaches them. He meets a guy by the name of Levi who would later become Matthew. And then he answers some questions of people that were asking a question that they really didn't even want an answer to, yet Jesus gives them 
an answer. And today, if we could take a walk with Jesus, if we could ask him anything, if we could observe anything, I think that we would do well to just observe and dig into the, the three things that we're going to talk about for just a few moments today. In Mark chapter 2, here's what we're going to discover. It starts off in Mark chapter 2, and we take a look at, at verse number 13. It, it says this, then he went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. So, so right away, we see that Jesus goes to a place where, where he's been before, and crowds just start showing up. It says, and he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. That becomes very important. It's a very integral part of the story, and we'll unpack that in just a little bit. He says, and he said to him, follow me. All right, this is an outrageous invitation. You see, what we've talked about so far is this. Jesus stops by, and he invites people to follow him. But in this culture, when you were a rabbi, people sought out one that they wanted to follow. They sought out one that they wanted to sit under, one that they wanted to learn from, but Jesus takes a completely different approach, and he comes and he says, follow me, because here's what would happen. Let's say Ron was, was living in that day and age, and, and he found somebody that, that he wanted to follow. Ron would say, hey, could I come and follow you? Rabbi, would you teach me? And, and here's what would happen. If they liked him, they, they'd, they'd keep him for a while, and they'd follow some things. If they didn't like him, maybe they would quit following. But if the rabbi didn't like or didn't approve or didn't want you around, he would often say, look, you're just not meant for this. You need to go find someone else. But as we begin to look at, at Jesus, everywhere he goes, he says, no, I want you to follow me. And he gives a, a personal invitation. And here's what we discover. He's giving a personal invitation to, to a lot of people that aren't invited to anybody's gathering, to anybody's party or, or celebration. And here's what it says about Matthew. It says this in verse number 14. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. So now we have a gathering at Levi's house. Jesus is there. There's all these people that, that are there. It, it says, and his disciples are there, and there were many of them, and they were following this one called Jesus. It says, and when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, as we take a look at this, here's what we're going to discover as we take a walk with Jesus. Real, real quickly, we're just going to take a look and, and we're going to see his, his walk. We're going to see that he teaches, he shares a word with him, but then we're going to see that, that as he's doing all of these things, he's doing what he was called to do. He's living out his work, his primary mission, his primary role as to why he came to this earth. And when we look through this story and as we see Jesus 
up close and personal, we need to break it down just a little bit more and maybe make it a little bit more impactful. So I want to read again that passage of scripture, okay? And and I'm going to read it this time from the New Living Translation, and I just want you to to follow along. It's going to be on the screen here. It'll be on your screen at home. And here's what, what it says. It says, then Jesus went out to the lake shore again. There's that word again. He's there by the Sea of Galilee. He's there again. And it says this, and taught the crowds that were coming to him. Everywhere Jesus shows up, people are pouring in. That There's crowds of people that are coming to him. It says, as he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. So get this in your mind, kind of a a toll booth. And he says this, follow me and be my disciple, is what Jesus said to him. So Levi got up. He leaves the tax booth. He leaves the place that he worked, and he follows Jesus. We go a little bit further. It says, later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus's followers. So we look and it says, but when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum. It's pretty important for us to get that. Why does he eat with such scum? We we read it just a moment ago. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? The New Living Translation says, let's just cut through all the gloss. Let's get right to what they were asking. Why is he hanging out with such Scum. We go just a little bit further. It says, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call those, to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Let's just talk about this for for just a a moment. Let's just kind of work through this passage uh, of scripture. As, as we, we look at Jesus, Jesus just kind of takes off at, at the beginning of the day, it seems like, and, and here's what, what Jesus does. Let's just take a look at the walk, right? The, the walk of Jesus. Right now, we're in the time of year where people are out walking. People are, are, are out walking. How many of you have seen people out walking in your neighborhood, place where you live, driving down the road? Everybody is out walking. And, and here's the thing. People are out walking and, and they're attempting to get a little healthier, right? But have you noticed that so many of them look miserable? I mean, they get dressed up. They, 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 they put on things that a lot of people, honestly, most people shouldn't be allowed to wear it, right? They leave their house looking that way, and, and, and they go out and, and they say, here's the reality. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get healthy, but all the while I'm getting healthy, I'm going to look miserable. And a lot of people are walking alone. A lot, a lot of people are, are maybe walking with someone, yet in the process of, of their walk, many of them are in a familiar place. They're among familiar people and faces, yet they they just walk. And they're walking, and they don't look like they're enjoying it. They don't look like it's something that they want to do, yet here's what Jesus does. When we take a look at this first thing that we want to break down, we take a look at the walk 
of Jesus. And here's what we discover in his walk, that it's a place he's been before. Let's talk about why this matters. You see, as, as Jesus had, had been there before, the, the Bible says that when he was out walking previously, he looked and, and he saw Andrew and Simon. And he said, hey, why, why don't you come and, and follow me? The, the Bible says when, when he was out walking previously, earlier in Mark chapter 1, here's, here's what he did. He, he stops and, and he begins to, to talk with James and, and John. And he says, come and, and follow me. So Jesus is in a place where, where he's been before, and, and he's around the Sea of Galilee, which when you read about the life of Christ, it's a place where he spent a, a lot of time. I wonder how many people walk in places that are familiar to them, but they never see a familiar face because they don't stop to have time with others. You notice that as Jesus is in this familiar place, he's observing familiar faces, he's stopping, and he's having some conversations with, with different ones. People that society would say were acceptable, and, and people that, that society would say, wow, why is he talking with them? Because that's what we just read. So it's, it's a walk that was familiar. It's a place that he's been before. It's a walk where people were coming to him, where Jesus was approachable. Meaning that as Jesus is going about his day, as he's going about his lifestyle, people could come to him. You ever notice that, that many times when we're walking through life, we're walking pretty quickly to stay ahead of the next demand? We're, we're walking pretty, pretty fast so that we can get to where we're going next and, and so that we can get to that next thing on our agenda and we want to press hard and we want to press forward and we want to complete this walk so that we can get to the end of it, right? So that we can get it completed. We want to get to what's next. For Jesus, the crowds come to him again. A familiar place, familiar people, they keep showing up and Jesus continues to call people out. You know, when we look at, at this walk of Jesus, even though it was familiar, and even though he's seeing faces that he has seen before, undoubtedly, it was a walk that was filled with opportunity. It's a walk that's filled with opportunity. What, what does that mean? Jesus was willing to see what other people didn't. Do you ever wonder why other rabbis, other religious people never stopped by and said, hey, Simon, Andrew, why, why don't you come and, and follow me? Why, why don't you come and, and be a part of, of what I'm doing? You ever wonder why there's, there's not a recording of, of somebody else coming and, and saying, look, James and John, I want you to leave the fishing business. I, I want you to, to, to lay down the family business, and, and I want you to attach your life to, to mine, and I want you to come and follow me. And they were willing to do that. You see, Jesus was, was able, as he's walking in this familiar place, and as he's seeing faces that he's undoubtedly seen previously, now all of a sudden Jesus is, is walking in the midst of familiar faces, and he's looking and he's seeing opportunity after opportunity. An opportunity to invite people to come to him. 
as Jesus is, is right there in a neighborhood, a place that he's been day after day. He's still looking at people and he's seeing opportunity. It's clear that when the religious people looked at Matthew, they didn't see any opportunity. It's clear when they, when they looked at Levi, they, they weren't interested in having a conversation with him. But it's clear that when Jesus walks into a familiar place, he's seeing a situation that's filled with, with opportunity. I wonder, what do you see when you're walking through life? Some of us see problems, right? Some of us see all the negativity. Some of us, we're walking through life and we're going about our daily routine and we see that face and we're just like, wow, I got to go this way. I got to avoid that situation, whatever it might be, a confrontation, something that's uncomfortable. We're walking and we don't want to be interrupted, yet Jesus is walking and he sees opportunity. What do you see when you're walking through life, I, I want to tell you something, and I, I want you to get this today. Here's what you're going to discover in this life. When you're walking through life, you're going to see what you're looking for. You're going to see what you're looking for. You see, the, the Pharisees were, were obviously looking for people that weren't as good as they were. Jesus was looking for people that could be something different than what they are. And sometimes we, we look at people and, and, and we might look and, and say, wow, you know what, that, that's somebody that's a, a deplorable. Oh, we might look at somebody and say, look, that, that's somebody that's irredeemable in, in our mindset. We might look at a, a situation or a circumstance and say, wow, that's a, a lot of, of work. But you know what Jesus was seeing? Jesus was seeing opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to stop and have a conversation about who he is and what he could do and what they could do in his kingdom. Think about that for just a moment. Jesus gets up. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. I mean, nobody needed to tell him about Matthew. He made Matthew, right? He, he was a part of that process. He's walking by a sea that he was present when it was created. He knows that area. It's more familiar to him in any way, shape, or form than it is to, to anybody else, yet he goes into this situation that he knows like the back of his hand because it came from his hand. He, he created, he spoke it into existence, and now Jesus is, is there, and he's walking in a familiar place that he doesn't take for granted. He sees familiar people, and he sees that they're not filled with, with problems and setbacks, but he sees a life filled with opportunity. This walk would become a walk that would change lives. You say, how do you know that? Well, it was a walk that changed the life of Simon. It was a walk that changed the life of Andrew. It was a walk that changed the life of James. It was the walk that changed the life of John. And you'll notice that in the process of that, healings are taking place and Jesus is teaching them. And everywhere Jesus goes along this walk, he keeps coming back here. And, and here's what happens. Crowds are coming to him. Why? Because when he's walking among familiar faces and places, he sees an opportunity to invite people to come 
to him. And the Bible says the crowd, the multitude was growing and they continued to show up. You know, when you look at the walk of Jesus and what makes him so remarkable is he was able to go into ordinary situation and see some extraordinary opportunity. And I just wonder sometimes what we as his followers see in others. In our walk, what we're looking for. Are we looking for a fault? Are we looking for a failure? Or are we looking for someone that needs the grace and love and mercy of Jesus? Because now what we're going to see is, is this. It says, verse number 13, Then he went out again by the sea. For that one that sent the meme that a long sermon and, and is kind of like a hostage crisis. Just so you know, we're still in verse number 13, first line. <laughs> it says, and all the multitude came to him. Here's what he did now. Let, let, let's get to the, the second part, the word. Let's look at the, the word that he, he spoke. You, you've got the, the walk, but, but then you have the word. I want you to remember words create worlds. What you say really matters. How you speak, how you frame it, it's vastly important. And here's what it says. It says, and he taught them. Jesus is walking in his life. And here's what we're going to see. That walk where he calls Simon, where he calls Andrew, where he calls James, where he calls John. And he says, hey, I want you to come and follow me. Now he teaches them and he just breaks things down. They were words of, of conversation. You say, how do you know that? Because in every conversation that Jesus has had up to this point where he's teaching, here's what he's doing. He's meeting people where they are. They're by the, the Sea of Galilee. And undoubtedly, Jesus is talking about some of those things. Some would come to him and they would need healing. And here's what Jesus would say. Jesus would speak into their life and meet them where they are. Our words... Our words create worlds, and our words are extremely important. They were words of, of conversation. I wonder how many times we really need to meet people where they are with our words. Yesterday, I was at the, the ball diamond for a, a little bit and, and uh, watching some games and, and cheering people on and and uh, there, there was a, a guy that was there. He was obviously a, a, a grandfather. And, and uh, when, when the, the parents showed up uh, to, to kind of take over, he was there making sure the little girl got to the game. And, and his wife was there. So grandma and grandpa are, are on the scene. And they're watching their grandchild play. And uh, when mom and dad get there, he's like, okay, it's time for us to go. And honestly, I was like, thank you, Lord. Just thank you right? And, and, and here's why. I didn't say that out loud, okay? I'm saying it out loud right now, but I didn't say it out loud then. And, and, and here's why. Every word that he spoke was critical. Critical. But like, not quiet critical, not the, this guy thinks he's whispering, but he's really just lost his hearing, and, he, and he's just saying it a little too loud. I mean, critical. Why do they got hurt first base? She couldn't catch a barn if you threw it at her. His, his wife's elbowing, be quiet, that's somebody's kid. Well, I don't care, it's not mine. <laughs> right? Girl swings at a pitch, 
She couldn't have hit it with a rake, but, but, but she swung, and, and she did the best that, that, that she could. And, and, and he says the obvious, shouldn't have swung at that one. Another elbow coming. And the whole time, every word that came from his mouth, when the rest of his family showed up, Dragging in the snack cart, do, doing all the other things. What'd you bring that for? That's a waste. I mean, just going on. And I thought, you know what? This guy has created one of the loneliest places. Because when the family came in, they didn't sit next to him for obvious reasons. And while we might be able to laugh at it, it's really kind of a tragedy. Because here's, here's the truth. The words that he was speaking were were words that were not conversational. They weren't meeting anybody where, where they were. Believe me, nobody wanted to have a conversation. When, when a, a little girl that's 10, 11 years old swings at a pitch and, and misses it and she walks back and she's crying, she probably knows that she didn't need to swing at that. And even if she did need to swing at it, she's missed it, right? Something different might need to be said. And when you look at, at Jesus you're going to find out that Jesus, he had a lot of words to say that, that were compassionate, that were tender, that were filled with love and, and mercy. And he had a lot of harsh things to, to say. But do you know where he said his most harsh things? Wasn't to the people that, that were like Matthew, that, that were obvious sinners that people would point out and say, wow, why are you even talking to him? I mean, he's pouring into Matthew, and we're going to get to that in, in just a moment. He, he speaks harshly to to the critic to the guy that's just sharing the the words that that don't need to be said that that offer no value to to anyone that only tear down and can never build up you see Jesus gives words of conviction when it says that he taught them he's teaching them the word of God so so what is he he doing he's speaking words of conviction not preference not, not necessarily what's comfortable, words of conviction that, that would come from truth, that would embody grace, that, that would be wrapped in mercy and forgiveness and love. And you say, how do you know that? Because he gives a word of invitation, and here's what Levi does. It says this, as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. I don't know how far Matthew's tax collecting booth was from where Jesus was teaching, but undoubtedly, as he's called here, Levi, at some point in time, had heard something different from the words of Jesus than he had heard from anybody else. And he said, you know what? I'll leave this place, and I will follow him. It's a word of invitation. Follow me. Words of, of invitation. He has words of, of conviction, words that are, that are embodied in, in, in truth and love and grace and mercy and, and, and forgiveness, but, but a, a word that, that says, come and, and follow me. That's key. He says, follow me. He, he doesn't Point out the obvious, Matthew, you're a dirty bum. The New Living Translation is going to call you what you are, scum. He says, I want you to come and I want you to follow me. So, so there's words of conversation, words of conviction that, that's 
teaching grace and truth, but then he gives an invitation. He says, follow me. What does follow me mean? It means to walk the same road. There's a lot of us that would call ourselves Christ followers, but my question today is this, are we walking the same road? Are we walking the same road that that Jesus walked? Meaning, when we go out and we walk in familiar places and we see familiar faces, do we stop long enough to let them see the word of God at work in our life? Are we interested in them and invested in them enough to teach them the truth, wrapped in grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness as Jesus did? And are we willing to invite them to follow Jesus? Not to follow a method, not to follow a personality in this life, not to follow a set of rules and and regulations, a, a script that we could come up with. Are we interested in getting them to follow Jesus? Because I want to tell you something, that's what he's called us to do, and that's what what he's going to to say in in just a a moment when when we get to it. Here's here's the reality. Jesus stops and he has a one-on-one with Matthew. And and he says, Matthew, would you come and follow me? Why is this so revolutionary? Because Matthew, Levi as he's called, is despised. Why is he despised? Well, here it is. The Romans collected their taxes through a tax system that had two things. Was a stated tax. The other was called other duties. Here's what they would do. They practice something that's that's called tax farming. So they would assess a figure and they would say, "Look, this is this is the figure that we want collected." And then they would franchise that out. So Levi, at some point in time, had bought the rights to tax this area in Capernaum. This he would collect the stated taxes. All men, 14 to 65, paid a tax. (laughs) All women, listen to this, 12 to 65 had to pay a tax. And their tax was just for being alive, right? For breathing. That's what it was. Men and women, just for for breathing. There was a ground tax, one-tenth of all grain, one-fifth of all wine, oil, anything, substance like that that was produced. There was a tax on fish. Get this, tax on fish. Who's with Jesus? Peter, James, Andrew, John. Undoubtedly, they're probably thinking in their mind, what's he inviting this dog for? Last year would have been a banner year were it not for this, 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 and this, all leading back to Levi. There was an income tax. And then there was duties. Okay, those are the, the stated taxes. Now we're going to get into the, the other taxes. Taxes for using roads, the harbor docks, a sales tax, an import and export tax. There was a tax paid on a cart, and then they broke that tax down into a wheel tax. And if the cart had what? Four wheels, you paid a tax on every wheel. All right? Can I just tell you this? Levi said, here's the deal. I want to bid on that, and I want to get the rights to take whatever I want from these people, because in many of the situations, the other duty taxes could be whatever they wanted them to be, just so long as they didn't create an uprising against 
Rome. So, with that backdrop, Jesus says, why don't you come and follow me? Why? Because tax collectors were despised and they were excommunicated from the synagogues. They weren't allowed to come in. Jesus said, I want you. I want you to come and follow me. Who else did he say words like that to? People that were despised, rejected, scum. Let's think about Mary Magdalene. What about Zacchaeus? What about the woman in adultery? What about the Apostle Paul? Let's bring it up to date. What, what, what about you and I? Somebody would say, well, we're, we're, we're not that, that bad. We're, we're not that categorically the, the same. And, and here's the reality. Jesus is getting ready to address that very thing. You see, the, the Bible teaches us that loving the lost is the first step in leading them to Christ. And sometimes in our walk, we don't have many words that are reflected of loving the lost. But here's what Jesus does. Jesus said, follow me. So here's what it says. He arose and he followed him. I want you to think about this truth with me for just a moment. Levi was leaving a wealth behind. Levi was leaving a life behind where he could do what he wanted. And no one could stop it. When Jesus said, I want you to come and, and follow me, Levi left that life behind. And, and here's something interesting about Levi. From this moment on, his name would become Matthew. And here's the truth. And we need to remember it because this guy was considered to be scum. That this guy was was equated, as Andy Stanley would say, to, the, to the, the guy that is behind the drugstore dealing drugs and giving away free drugs to junior hires to, to get them addicted so that he could count on them for the, the rest of their life to be his income and source. Scum of the earth, someone we wouldn't like. Yet Levi walked away from that tax receipt booth on that day, and he said, I want to follow Jesus. And here's something that's important. Andrew and James and John and Peter all walked away from their fishing business. But at some point in time, they went back because scripture records it. It is never recorded that Levi, that was questioned by everybody, why would Jesus spend time with such a person as bad as him, ever went back. He said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be committed to you. Do you know what Jesus is looking for today? He's, he's, he's looking for some people that, that will say, look, this is what I used to be, but I'm ready to follow you. He's looking for some people that, that would take him up on his word and his invitation to, to follow him and to say, okay, I'm all in. I know you died for me. I know that my life is a mess. I know that I'm a sinner. I'm going to trust you to be my savior. I want to come and link my life to yours because that's what Matthew was doing. That's what Levi was willing to do. He was saying, I'm going to be a Christ follower. Today, I just want to ask you this question. When, when you listen to the words of Jesus, as you read the words of Jesus, as you hear the words of, of Jesus, 
Jesus said, Levi, follow me. It was, a, it was a, 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 an opportunity, a phrase, a command, however you want to lay it out there, that demanded a response. And here's the, the truth. For you and me, it demands a response. It, it, it demands, are we going to follow him? Are we going to live for him? He says, follow me. Will we draw a line in the sand and say, look, this is what I used to be, but this is what I'm going to be because you've called me to follow you. That's what Levi did. That's what we need to do. The question is this, will we do it? Will we, we just kind of package everything up here with what Jesus says? He says yes to dining at Levi's house. It says, now as it happened, he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus. It says tax collectors and sinners because tax collectors were considered to be worse than sinners. It says they also sat together with Jesus and his disciples for there were many and they followed him. It says when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with such scum? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, there's a work that I've come to do, and this is the work that I've come to do. He said, I did not come to, to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's define something. What was Jesus talking about when he was talking about a sinner? He was talking about people who are not perfect, people who have missed God's mark of perfection, people who have done something that is against God. Jesus was talking about anyone and everyone, right? That's what Jesus was talking about. That's who Jesus was talking about. Who are the Pharisees talking about when they use the word sinner? The Pharisees were talking about those who have missed the Pharisees' mark, not God's mark, those who have missed their mark. You see, when you're a Pharisee and you define the terms, to make sure that you're okay, you just redefine the terms. To make sure that you're good and you don't fit in that category, you just kind of move the goalpost a little bit. You throw everybody else off, but, but you're kind of controlling the situation, and, and that's what they were doing. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, no, I, I want you to understand, I came to call people to his righteousness, not to self-righteousness. Because the bottom line is this, the Pharisees were people who, who took time to be religious, but they didn't take time to get to know Jesus. They took time to, to do good things in their mind, but they didn't take time to get to know the God that called them to good things. You see, they knew about God, and they knew a little about Jesus, but they really didn't know him. There's three types of people that Jesus was talking about, and here they are. Those that don't know about him, those that are sick and have never heard about Jesus. Three types of people that are sick that Jesus is talking about. Those that don't know him, but Jesus said, look, I've come to make sure that people know those that know and refuse to, to trust him. He said, those that, that know about me but refuse to trust me with, with their sin and trust me for salvation. He said, those that will not admit that they need him. I wonder how many times people fit into that category. 
Those that know and refuse to trust him are those that will not admit that they need him. Today, there's not one of us that doesn't need Jesus. Not one of us. We all need him. That's why he, he lived. That's why he died. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he was buried. That's why he rose again, because we all need him. Yet in his walk and in his word, he keeps pointing us back to the work. And the, the Pharisees said, why did you come and sit and dine with this guy? And Jesus said, because that's why I am here. I came to let people that don't know about me know about me. I came to let people that, that refuse to trust me to know that they need to trust me. And those that refuse to admit that they need me, I came to remind them that they need me. That's why I came. You see, he wasn't going to let somebody else take him away from the work he was called to do. Yet sometimes when it comes down to our walk and our word, we don't consider the work of Jesus in our life. And we would just assume stay away from some of the scum situations, some of the uncomfortable situations, some of the more difficult situations. But Jesus said, look, put me right in the middle of it because my walk, my word, and my work all line up. And it's really hard for me to do the work of Jesus if I only spend time around people who believe that they don't need me and they're never going to admit that they need me and they're interested in their, their own goodness. If I don't go to some people that respond to the invitation, how am I ever going to reach them? If I don't stop and have a conversation, how are they ever going to know that they're, they're loved? And today I just wonder what, what, what it looks like in our life for us to walk in a familiar place. Do we ever slow down enough to, to see that there's opportunity there? Not just problems, opportunity in people's lives. Because when Jesus came across Matthew, he said there's an opportunity. He didn't see scum. He saw somebody that needed his grace. He saw a life that, that could be changed and only one way it could be changed. You see, Matthew didn't leave the, the tax booth and go clean his life up and then come to church a little bit later and learn a little more about Jesus and then get good enough to follow him. No, Matthew came out of that booth as a follower of Christ. He said, I will follow you. And today, you know what we need? We need some more people walking through life like Jesus walked, looking for opportunities to give a word an invitation to people like Matthew and to remind others, no, this is the work I came to do. It's really easy as Christians to get comfortable in, in environments. It's really easy for us to, to maybe want to leave out portions of, of the scriptures and, and modify it to, to fit the, the cultural time frame that we live in. But here's a, a reality. Jesus lived in a difficult time, a difficult moment, yet over and over and over, he encounters difficult people in difficult situations, and in the midst of his walk, he stops, and he has a word with them, and he explains the work that he came to do, and it changes their life forever, and it doesn't just change their life, it changes the lives of people around them, and I wonder, today, has it changed your life? Has the work of Jesus changed your life? 
Has his death, his burial, his resurrection, has it changed you? Have you trusted him to be your savior? If you haven't done it, if you haven't trusted him, don't wait, do it today. Levi didn't wait. When Jesus invited, he followed Today, Jesus is inviting you through his word, saying, look, I loved you. I gave my life for you. Would you come and follow me? Don't don't try and and figure everything out. It's never really going to make a bunch of logical sense because why would someone leave heaven and come and die for, for one of us? Because he loves us. Because we need him. That's why he did it. And today, I would encourage you, to follow him. But if you're already following him, I want to ask you this. What does your walk look like? When you're in a familiar place and see people that you've seen before, people that you might know, people that you're meeting for the first time, what do you see? What are you looking for? Jesus was was looking for the opportunity. Are you? The word. What, What conversation are you having? How are you speaking to them at them? What are you sharing with them? Is it coming back to the work as Jesus did? Because honestly, his work is our work. That's what he meant when he said, Matthew, come and follow me. He said, follow my road. He's asking you and I to follow his road as well. Today, will you follow him? Will you walk as he walked? Will you speak and have conversation as he did? Will you work as he did? Would you pray with me? With heads bowed, with eyes closed, no one looking around. Today, if you're here and you say, John, I know that Jesus is my Savior. I know that Jesus is my Savior. I've asked him to trust me. But I want you to pray for me today that my walk would be a little bit better. That, that I would be a little bit more of what I need to be in my walk, my word, and my work for Christ. If that's you, just slip your hand up. I want to be able to pray for you in, in just, just a moment. All right. You put those hands down. Maybe you're here today and you say, John, I'm not certain that I'm a Christian, but today I'd like to trust Jesus as my Savior. I know that I need to do that, and today right where I am, that's what I, I want to do. I won't embarrass you in any way. I'm not going to call you out. I'm simply going to lead you in, in a prayer. If that's you today and you'd like to know for certain that Jesus is your Savior, just, just slip your hand up. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right, right where you are. Today, as we go about this day, as we go about this life, there's no greater opportunity than right now to come to Christ. There's no greater opportunity than right now to say I want my walk to be more of what Jesus wants it to be, my word and my work. So today, let's pray together and let's ask God to do just that. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. Lord, I ask that today, you would help us in our walk, that you would help us as we're walking in familiar places as Jesus was, that we would see people that need you, see people that need encouraged, see people that need strengthened. And Father, that we would speak words of encouragement into their life and words of strength. Lord, I pray that you would help us to to speak words of truth. 
And God, words of love and mercy, forgiveness and hope. And Father, I pray that you would lead us back to that work that you did. What you came to do, Father, I pray that what you came to do is what we will accept and receive and what we will go and do. Help us, Father, I pray. Lord, if there be one that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that today would be the day that they trust you as their Savior, that they come and, and Father, that they would just invite you right here, right now, if they don't know you, that they would just say the best they know how, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and I'm asking you to forgive my sins and I'm trusting you to save me. Father, we'll give you all the glory for all that you're going to do, for it's in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection, and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action, and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior and he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, you're part of our Harmony online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home, and I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life, and I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.